Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Snap Trek, the Star Trek podcast where we compare two episodes of the ever-expanding Star Trek franchise. I am one of your hosts, Ross, and I am joined by Jen. Hello, Jen. Hi, Ross. Hi, everyone. How's, how's it going? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very excited to be talking to you today. Yeah, we got an interesting matchup today. They're always interesting matchups. <laughs> I true. always think we come to out with <laughs> two phenomenal, like a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> like a mini marathon. Two little, two little mini marathons. That's what we come out with. And I do yeah. think they're very good. Yeah. Um, for those, for those who might not have heard before, every episode we compare two episodes of Star Trek using a variety of categories. And for each category, we select a scene or a character or idea or prop, which we think is great. And we award a point to the answer we think is the best. Uh, and the theme of this episode is mislaid eggs. Boomtish. Took me a little while to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> we are comparing two episodes which prominently feature our heroic crews encountering newly hatched infants. Uh, so, Jen, why don't you tell us which episode you watched this week? I I was lucky enough to watch uh, an Enterprise episode for this. Enterprise Season 3, Episode 17, Hatchery. What about you, Ross? I watched the rather comparable <laughs> Voyager at Season 2, Episode 7, Parturition. Mm-hmm. And for those <laughs> in the know... Both of them feature newly hatched infants and uh, the trials and tribulations therein. Alien babies. Alien babies. <laughs> Man, they're the weirdest <laughs> And the Starfleet officers who... Who <laughs> <laughs> decide to care for them. Who, uh, th- three Starfleet officers and, and, a, and a baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're directed by Leonard Nimoy. That's appropriate. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, and watch, watching these two back to back was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> it always the mini marathon really works. Yeah, yeah. Having in between the two episodes really, really sets you up. I think to enjoy each episode a little bit more. Yeah, because it. Yeah, this is a different, very different tone to both these episodes too. Which it was. It wasn't just you know. No, no, they it wasn't. Re, they were. They were re, quite uh, different. Hashing. The, the seriousness of hatchery really comes through. That it's a lot more. Yeah. It's a lot more heavy, as you might expect, being sort of towards the end of season three right. of Enterprise, and right. you know, Voyager early season two. <laughs> you know they're still they're lost in the Delta Quadrant, <laughs> but they're still having masses of fun. I mean, we're going to talk about this. The crazy stuff that happens yeah. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny you put it that way because it, they it really I, you really could peg these episodes specifically. You know, if you didn't know what season they were in, yeah. you could say, "Oh, that's definitely has the feeling of an Enterprise season three Absolutely. and a Voyager season two <laughs> episode." Very typical of their moment in Trek. There's time. so much standard <laughs> season two stuff going on in Voyager. It's it's good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> We never recap an episode because we know that you guys have watched these episodes as many times as we have. So we do, but we do offer a lyrical recap. Uh, Jen, please, what is your lyrical recap? Okay, I just straight up did a limerick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my limerick for Hatchery. The Zindi bug babies need protection. So Daddy Archer plans an antimatter injection. 
When she expresses her doubt, he gives to Paul a timeout. She plans a mutiny to convey her objection. Yes, yes, <laughs> very good. Yes, very good. That is excellent. You, you've covered all the, the parental bases there. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to fit in tantrum there somewhere because I should just kind of have a little tantrum. But that is very <laughs> good. good. Very good. <laughs> okay. All right. And how about for parturition? I have written this to the tune of a popular nursery rhyme. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm already excited. <laughs> I won't name the nursery rhyme. You'll have to guess at the end, but it's fairly standard. God, I have to remember the tune. Hold on. All right. You have I to sing, to sing yeah. it. I <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Paris and Neelix on planet hell. Find a nest and a baby as it hatched from a shell. Low trigemic vapors float in the air. They wait for mum to find baby, then they beam out of there. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Everyone in the living room is kind of asleep now, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh, that was really well done. Thank you, thank you. You really taxed my singing voice. There. I don't think I sing. I don't think I sing normally. You? Oh no, you did that. You did a wonderful job. That would have put that would have put me to sleep if I was a baby. <laughs> the trigenic vapors fitting <laughs> into a rockaway baby. I mean, these are just things you don't hear every day. That's wonderful. Pretty pleased when I thought of that. Oh, that's awesome. Well done. Well, let's crack on. There's no time like the present. There's things to do, newborns to feed. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get on to the game. Okay. So we're gonna pick a pick a category. Uh, name our name our choice, and then award a point. So, Jen, would you like to select the first category? Okay. You know what? For our first category, category, let's start with best nest. And discuss the nests. Best nest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For parturition, there's not much to offer by way of best nest. It's just a little clutch of eggs in a dingy cave on a planet named Hell. A planet <laughs> a planet notable for its harsh atmosphere loaded with uh, the aforementioned trigemic vapors. And as nests go, it's not exactly a cozy little nook. But I'm looking at this from a mammal's perspective. It does. It seems right. to do for the repto humanoids that lay their eggs there, <laughs> because the the trigemic vapors are nurturing and nutritious. So, as nests go, not one for me, maybe, but perfect for those little uh, lizard lads and ladies. Yeah, you know, and they found a cave. I mean, they thought it was safe. <laughs> they didn't expect, you know, these these two strange humanoids from another planet to, you know, enter their their nest yeah. and and you know block off the supply of of trigenic vapors. No, no. But, um, for the for the for the the repto humanoids, I thought there was a fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking, yeah. At, I'm, so I'm looking at this quite selfishly. From a, you know, <laughs> is this a nest I would want to exist in or or lay my eggs in? No. But and even I mean it and and it was a, a pretty sweet cave. That's where uh, you know Paris and and Neelix decided to to hide out. So they thought it'd be good shelter too. So it keeps the rain off. Yeah, it's, and it's got those rocks yeah, which uh, you can heat up. <laughs> I will never get tired of them heating up a rock with a phaser. It's <laughs> I so love that. good. It's so good. 
Such a useful thing. I have really vivid <laughs> memories of watching Sulu do that in the original series. One of yeah. my earliest Star Trek memories is watching him use the phaser <laughs> to heat up the rock. It's a great trick, yeah. you know? It's a phaser is a handy thing. So what about you? What did you have for best nest? Okay, so best nest. Uh, this is actually this is actually a pretty good one. Uh, this is on the uh, the Zindi uh, insectoid ship. Um, has crash landed on this planet, um, and the nest the, uh, hatchery is pretty much uh, unscathed in the in the uh, crash. It's it's they have reinforced bulkheads and backup power systems and everything, and the you could. Um, see that the ship was designed specifically to protect the hatchery you know that the they've got hanging baskets full of these gloopy drippy <laughs> slimy eggs <laughs> and they're it's somehow integrated into the ship walls um it's a little bit gloomy in there but i think like you were saying i'm kind of go- coming at it from a <laughs> from a mammal perspective it looks a little bit yeah. you know gloomy of a nest um but it's it's obviously been well designed um to survive the impact and to like right right so yeah it's it's, it's, it's a decent nest if you're you know a big clump of insectoid eggs when you see those little (laughs) fellas scooting around later on they look perfectly happy very comfortable Uh, yeah yep yeah so so both both of our nests seem pretty well designed for the uh particular infants yeah i mean (laughs) I suppose it, it would have been different if we were like dealing with a big, you know, mammal, an egg-laying mammal. Right. It could have been quite a different episode as well, I imagine. But yeah, the nests yeah. are seated. I did what I liked about uh, the hatchery nest was we spent loads and loads of time in there, and it was like the nest yes. was all in. It was all about the nest, really, wasn't it? Even the yeah. title called the hatchery, yeah. it's all about existing right. in that space and little hexagonal sort of egg chambers, and then those things hanging from the ceiling. You spend loads of time in there. Um, it it was a you know it was a well designed set. It was a it looked good and it looked looked sort of suitably weird and strange, but also made sense what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And and it, it yeah, it's interesting when there's you know just the eggs you know in there. It looks pretty spacious, but then you know it gets a little bit almost claustrophobic when you have mm. so many you know people you know in there trying to in this case you know, trying to, you know, fix the power supply and, and all that stuff. And, but, uh, you can imagine when it's filled with the insectoid parents, <laughs> it's probably, you know, cause they're about the same size as, as a, as a human. They can crawl up and down the walls though as well, can't they? They can crawl all, all the way around. Yeah. 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 And it's a communal space. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one parent, you know? So it's probably, you know, there was, so there was something like, thir- well, I don't know how many eggs there were total, but there were 31 viable eggs at the time of the crash. But, um, but and, uh, uh, you know, Flax is the autopsy and he says, you know, these things reproduce asexually and each one can, you know, produce yeah. a whole bunch of egg sacs. So <laughs> you got to imagine that the hatchery is probably pretty happened in place on, you know, <laughs> on a Zindian insectoid ship when, you know, uh, I, I <laughs> normally. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good how they paint this picture of a species which is completely different to us. Yeah. Um, you know, they're reproducing asexually. They only live for a very short amount of time comparatively. Right. They're laying their eggs. 
and yet we still feel like we're glad Archer is looking after the eggs and we're glad he's doing something about them. Yes. That, you know, and they didn't even choose the, one of the most more sympathetic Zindi races to have right. them to. It wasn't like we found a clutch of like cute little arboreals. I thought even mm-hmm. Archer yeah. even says that, doesn't he? Yeah, um, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For uh, another category, I bet. Yeah. So I thought they did a really good yeah, job no, I totally of making agree. you care yeah. about somebody or something right. which actually... Ha- for a lot of people, that's that sort of intrinsic disgust, like insects or yeah. gloopy blah, grossness. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. We're, okay. We're, points wise. Points like I think. I think. I, just a hatchery, just by a country mile. Really, I really thought the nest looked good. I liked spending. I thought spending time in there was good. I liked. I like watching Archer, and you know he's getting all the uh, the makos down there as well. I just enjoyed the whole all the time we spent in there. So for best nest, I'm going with the hatchery. I agree. Yeah, my points go to the hatchery too. I, um, like you said, it really. It, I enjoy the the NXO one. I mm. love it. Uh, but it, it so but it's kind of interesting to see them. In a you know in a different <laughs> different setting for a little and some very tense um, scenes yeah. too you know in that in the hatch or were played out in the hatchery it was just and uh, the the set was was really interesting um, the idea of it's interesting so yeah, yeah. two points for well hatchery deserved. well deserved <laughs> okay well so now that we've uh, got the best nest we may as well load it with the cutest baby. <laughs> Uh, Jen, who do you have for your cutest baby? Okay, so <laughs> like we were mentioning earlier, insects you don't necessarily think of as cute, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and and it's it's really interesting the way they do it because when they finally hatch, when they all finally hatch, they're crawling around in a really really creepy way and archer's there and he's like a, a villain in a comic book you know <laughs> he's like in, insect man or something because yeah. they're all crawling on him and he's standing there you know like like oh my children you know <laughs> reminded me of that scene from conspiracy oh yes yeah it's the same thing it's the same I little if, I thought that, crawly yeah yeah that's a good that's that's a, what they were going for. yeah oh that's a good uh comparison um so i get that is a little a little bit um a little bit creepy but when you look at it the there's actually a really it's actually kind of sad um they're trying to fix the power supply and and something overloads and one of the eggs falls off the you know, the bunch and, and, and breaks open. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that baby, they used, it, is, it looks a little bit more humanoid almost. Cause they, they have it just like, just like writhing around a little bit with, you know what I mean? Like, so it looks like less in, it, like it's not crawling. It's just like crying like a baby would, you know? Almost. Yeah. So that, whatever they did with that little one, that actually one was kind of cute. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> a little antenna sticking up, and you can kind of understand, you know. Or it's 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 it's, it's kind of funny because Archer, Archer's like, you know, flocks medical emergency, yeah. you know? <laughs> and he couldn't save the poor little thing, but the little, you know, dying insect, or even little dead, you know, dead one, oh. were actually cuter than when they were crawling around oh. all creepy like on Archer. Sad, you know? I feel sad. <laughs> I know it actually is. It's really kind of yeah. sad. 
that's a, it's actually kind of funny because you know the explosion happens and the egg drops and one of the red shirts uh, well, i guess an engineering crewman you know get like gets knocked over and archer doesn't even look at him <laughs> <laughs> he just goes right to the baby the little you know the, the little insect the little insectoid that uh you know yeah. that the egg crash and but um but yeah so they're kind of individually cute but as a whole they get they get yeah, a as a whole now. species <laughs> yeah as a as a as a, as a, as a, as a clutch yeah. of infants they are not cute but those yeah, individually yeah. you can see some sort of cute attributes in them yeah that's you know they're wiggly and squiggly and a little bit slimy yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you know, like tri- you know, Trip sees you know the full effect of nineteen little creepy crawling insects crawling all over yeah. the room and Archer, and yeah, <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> he's like, is this really happening? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> uh, and then he makes the decision. You know, we'll talk about that later, I guess. But uh, makes the decision to uh, to you know to just stun Archer, and, you and know, that was the right. Well, you know. It was the right thing to do. It was getting, yeah, it was getting well, way too weird. At the moment, yeah. Yeah, because at that point it was, you know, crawling, you know, crossing into a uh, little yeah. cartoon super villainy. You know, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so what about cutest baby for Voyager? I do feel like one a beautiful baby does make an appearance in Parturition. We see this gorgeous hatchling emerge from this massive Easter egg. And it's just this beautiful sort of squeeing, squawking, blinky-eyed, rubbery lizard muppet covered in slime. Or not covered in slime, but it has like that slime. It has like a a, a thin sort of lacquer across it. And it is legitimately cute. It's opening its mouth and closing its eyes and looking around. (laughs) And then later on it starts shivering and it falls asleep. It's legitimately cute. Um, so, I i mean, growing up, when the mum comes along, that is not cute. I mean, this, something terrible happens to those children because they grow up and do hideously frightening adults. <laughs> the very, the tongue alone made me scared. Right. Just the way it's just zooming around. Woof. Yes. But as yes. a baby, straight from the egg, <laughs> gorgeous, lovely, and very cute. I agree that that. Muppet is adorable and it makes yeah. the cutest little squeals and yeah, uh, <laughs> you know it got it kind of reminded me um, when I first saw it of uh, Salacious Crumb from Star Wars, <laughs> who who is who it is not look, yeah, yeah and he's not cute, <laughs> so this is like no. the cute version of <laughs> of Salacious Crumb puppet. It's the stupid tufts of hair he has. <laughs> He looks, he looks like an old man, like with crazy tufts of hair. Well, this is a genuine newborn. It comes out the egg. She's so innocent and wide-eyed. Right. And maybe you don't get yeah. that from the Zindi insects because they're, they're almost, you know, they're not independent, but they're literally crawling around doing their own thing. Whereas yeah. this is something you actually, Yeah, they don't have yeah, that. This is something you have to look after. Yeah, they, they literally swaddle it in a blanket yeah. and, and, and rock it. TLC and, and they've got to help it be. Yeah. Whereas you think you could probably just leave those. Now those insects have been born. You could probably just leave them to it. Just leave them, Yeah. I don't know, some, some piles of whatever it is they eat. Just leave some piles of it and they'll be fine. Yeah. See for themselves. And that's what they end up yeah. doing. Yeah. They're like, well, now that they're hatched, they can. They'll make their own know. way. 
<laughs> They'll stay alive yeah, until they eat uh, each other until one is crowned king. Next insectoid shit comes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so <It's> gross. gross. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm. They, well, the, the mom, like you mentioned, the 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 mom or dad, uh, you know, that shows up at the end. Uh, the the, uh, the Zindi insectoids are kind of creepy looking too they when they're creepy. adults. Like they're genuinely yeah. scary, you know. There's there's a couple not not in this episode. We yeah. don't see them in this episode. We see them often but, enough. Um, oh yeah, no, but a couple we, they are they are horrid. Yeah, it's, you know, even even on the Enter- yeah on the Enterprise, and they're mm. they're pretty creepy. <laughs> Just like a, a, a normal human size, you know, insect <laughs> with with weapons, <laughs> stuff and nightmares. But I'll be honest. <laughs> The Zindi reptilians don't hold a candle to these repto humanoids. No. Uh, so I'm glad we didn't find yeah, one of those eggs. Yeah. No, this was the insectoids was the right choice of yeah of Zindi species. Although I do really, really want to know more about the aquatics. That's that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> I would watch a documentary set on the Zindi homeworld. <gasps> I would too. I would love to see that. How the six separate species evolve. Yes. How do they interact? Right. What other life forms are existing there? How you know? Yeah. What's their what, what's their sort of circle of life? What's their um their food chain looking like? Yeah. Even, and like infrastructure, even you know, with exactly. These six. You know, yeah. Are they all species. living in different parts of the planet, or they all inhabit the same planet, but just using different resources at the same time? Right. Right. What a cracking uh, I love documentary Zindi. that would be. Yeah. I think the Zindi was such a good idea. Me too. For a, for a villain, they were phenomenal. Yeah. And I was interested in them from the get-go. Yeah, same here. Okay. okay. So, cutest baby, where's your point going? I'll be honest, it's, for me, it's no contest. <laughs> the, uh, the little, little cute rubber baby from Parturition gets my point. Same here. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, definitely... Again, from a from a human humanoid perspective of of what you know, a cute of what cuteness is. Yeah, you know, from a from my perspective, it's we're definitely so biased, be... aren't we? If we were both giant ant people, we'd we totally <laughs> have chosen the hatchery. Babies. Absolutely, we'd be like, oh, look at those cute yeah. little insect babies, and then there's that creepy reptile looking baby. Oh, Ew. <laughs> and it needs to be looked after. Ugh. Yeah, it itself. <laughs> they had to feed it with a hypo spray. Ooh. Like what? <laughs> Can't vomit on its own food and eat it. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay, yeah. so hatchery had the best nest, and uh, partridgeon had the cutest okay. baby. No, so that that's we're all tied it's, it's up. It's your choice of category. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh well, let's let's go um, for best line. Best line, okay. Okay. I for mine, I had two lines that stood out for me. One is a funny line which I didn't pick, uh, and it was uh, we won't talk too much about it now. But it was uh, Tom and pa- Tom and Neelix. They spend quite a lot of time in this episode <laughs> bickering with each other, and at one point, oh, yeah. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Neelix loudly exclaims, I'll kill you. To which Paris replies, It's too late. I'm betting your hair pasta did that already. <laughs> that was a nice little burn in the middle of this, yeah. you know, like legit fight they're having. 
Sorry, so it's too late. I bet your hair pasta already did the trick. <laughs> and I, it was very funny. Yeah. And it to, for, it takes you out of the moment just for a second because actually what's happening is quite serious. Right. But it right. was funny and yes. I'm glad they said it. Yes. Um, but the line I've picked is a line which I think just sort of encapsul- encapsulates the entire the entire episode. Um it sort of reflects the differences between Neelix and Tom. Uh, it reflects uh, Neelix's attitude. And it just it sort of is the right thing to do. And it's when Tom and Neelix are discussing what to do with this, you know, this newfound infant. Um, and Neelix says, I don't know how it is in your quadrant, but in mine, we don't abandon a newborn thing. <laughs> Whatever uh, you are, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. And I thought that was a, that was a, such a you know he's he's making this stand. Doesn't matter what's going to happen. They're not going to just let this thing fend for itself because it looks like it needs some help. And I thought it was a really strong thing for Neelix to say. Mm-hmm. And it's it was totally the right thing to say. And I'm glad he said it. And uh, yeah, that that was I thought a nice solid line that sort of captured the episode. That's a really good line. Yeah, I picked up on that too. Um, and it's interesting that the line that I picked uh, for Hatchery is is in this is, is in a similar vein yeah. um, to that too, um, because it, you know Hatchery like I, like we mentioned earlier it's not played for laughs at all no. like there's no there isn't there wasn't a single like funny line for me to highlight or anything no. this it was just straight up this is a chronicle of Archer's you know <laughs> descent into madness well, well, weirdly, <laughs> about these, these babies Hatchery goes from yeah. serious to even more serious because they're in a serious yeah. situation yeah. and then just mm-hmm. the the mutiny just levels things up and you know an extra notch right. and, and they could right. have played it for laughs they could have you know I suppose mm-hmm. the franchise had already oh, done yeah. that in, like, in this episode, where it's more like an Abbott and Costello, you know, they're getting lost, mm-hmm. they found a baby, and you know, hijinks in shoe. It's not it's not absolutely hilarious, but right. it was more on that vein. Right. It's hatchery. I'd forgotten there was the whole mutiny aspect of it. It really took me by yeah. surprise, but it was so serious and it wasn't like a we'll threaten a mutiny and everyone will see sense. A mutiny happens and it's really serious. Right. Yeah, and I mean the stakes are incredibly mm-hmm. high at this point in the season. This is they're trying to uh, stop the Zindi weapon from dest- destroying the Earth. So you can't, you know, the, the stakes really don't get much higher than that. They find they found the planet, you know, Azadi Prime that they thought that this is where they think the weapon is, and they're on their way there. Mm-hmm. That's like a crucial <laughs> mission, <laughs> you know, like this. So it's serious from 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 second one you know this is, a, this is a serious business and then you have this whole episode of archer getting distracted from that so there's no room for for making it a joke it's just straight up he's going so mad that he's forgetting yeah. how serious this this mission is so yeah so there weren't any lines i could point to like like yeah. that the hair pastel so, so what, was great what did you choose? What was your <laughs> um so so what I picked, so the line I picked, it was, it was similar to to what we were talking about earlier. Just the fact, you know, with the, you know, picking mm-hmm. the insectoids as as the babies, and 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 they're arguing that they, you know, they found these these eggs, and um, Archer Archer gets this is after Archer gets mm-hmm. sprayed by the 
neurotoxin um, and they're back up on the ship and they're trying trips, giving him a report on, mm-hmm. you know, where they are and the repairs and when they can get back on, on board and, and Archer just deciding, no, 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 we're going to stay and protect these babies. And, and trips, trips like what, you know, are you serious? <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? Uh, and trip says, I've got half a, half a mind to take a plasma torch to that place. Uh, and Archer's line is, what if we found a nursery filled with 31 infant primates? Would you want to torch them? And I thought that was interesting because at this point, one, he's right. I- I'm automatically like, I don't care about these because they're bugs, even though they're really not just bugs, quote unquote. These are sentient, you know, beings, you know, so it's check, it's yeah. checking my, you know, feelings on that. And also, and also um, it makes me agree with Archer at the beginning, you know, at first, it's like, oh, well, maybe we should, tr- you know, be trying to save them because if they were, if this were, if they did find the Boreals, I guess, you know, or the, uh, you know, the reptiles or, or whoever, like, would that change my mind? Like, would I, you know, be more or, you know, in, in our case, like, you know, something similar to a human baby, of course, you would want to help them if you could. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, Archer, it's interesting the way they do it because Archer doesn't seem that far out of whack with with the morals of of Starfleet at this point. No, no. I I definitely think whether he'd been sprayed with that toxin or not, he'd have made that same speech. Yeah, I I feel the same way because even even before he gets sprayed, I mean, he's asking Trip if if Trip can get the power systems back online. Yeah. You know, so... I think that, yeah, the neurotoxin just enhanced what he may have already done. But I do think he, have, at right. the very least, he'd have said that. He may have been a bit yeah. more lax about how they handled it and maybe wouldn't have needed to be there personally or to wait for somebody to pick them up. Maybe he was just sent a distress signal and said, we found someone here, you need to come and check it out. But I do believe he'd have made that plea because that's so important. And that's one of the sort of key messages, isn't it? Right. You need to respect the person, no matter what yep. they look like. The fact that they are an individual and a, a, right. you know that can think in the same way you're thinking, uh, that's what we need to sort of appreciate. And so okay. I'm glad he said that. It it was a great line, and the the arboreal yeah. um, uh, uh, comparison was really strong, and that just you know hits it home. You couldn't right. argue against that, could you? Because right. they they literally would have acted differently if it had been a group of arboreal children. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, and you, and you gotta at least give it a go. You know, I think if it, you know if he hadn't gotten sprayed, obviously he would have tried. You know, they couldn't get the power on, then they would have probably quit yeah. there. You know, because there's really not that much more else that they could do at that point. Um, but yeah, so but he just you know obviously yeah, gets yeah. deeper and deeper in, <laughs> into it, into the mouth of madness, and uh, <laughs> um, and gets you know just focused on that. But um, but yeah, so I thought that was. You know, there was some. There's some deeper yep. thoughts, even 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 in an episode where it's just you know <laughs> taking care of of eggs and baby bugs. I know? like the fact that we've essentially chosen the same line from, <laughs> really, yeah. from both of our respective episodes. And, yeah, and think about how different Neelix and and Jonathan Archer are, but they're but they both like they're both so Star Trek, you know, they, they both have the same Star yes. Trek ideals. And it's, it's so lovely that, you know, independently in these episodes, they both pretty yeah. much had the same, <laughs> you know, the same point it, about yeah, that. Uh, I think that's great. Oh, well, that's, it's also interesting to think about who the foils were, that the foils for both those lines were Trip Tucker and uh, Paris, Tom Paris, you know, having the opposite reaction, you know, the, yeah. the, 
devil's advocate reaction. Yeah. Hmm, that, that's that's it's, interesting. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lovely sort of uh, coming together. I, yeah, I think yeah. for the points, I because they're both essentially the same line. We should probably just split it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I do. I do think Half the way that Archer, Archer, the comparison with the Arboreals, and Archer delivers it with his Archer power. You know, he, he gives you that yeah. gravitas, and he makes you see what's really important, which is essentially what what uh, Scott Bakula does for the entire four seasons. You know, convinces hey. you that he's doing the right thing, and Neelix gives it in his, uh, you know, <laughs> typical. I've got an idea here. And you're probably gonna have, you're gonna have to listen to me because I'm probably on the right money. But Archer right. gives it with such power. I think I've got to give it to to Archer. My point. Yeah, Archer, Archer's really good at little speeches like that. You know, the yeah. little. And like, that was a really good one. With it, yeah, and he does have have great delivery. But I'll, <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll I'll switch it up though. I'm gonna I'll give mine to Neelix though, because it is it it is interesting that that line isn't given by someone in Starfleet. No. You know, because he even he frames it like, I don't know how it is in your quadrant, but here we're not going to abandon anyone. Mm. And I like that that idea exists outside of the Starfleet, you know, in, yeah. in the Trek universe. And it, and it makes Neelix um, part of what this episode is about to, to me is getting rid of the things about Neelix that I really dislike, mm. getting rid of the, the possessiveness of Cass, the jealousy that yeah. he has and all that after this episode, all that goes away. You know, and that's and this line that he says, that's one of the th- reasons I like Neelix. One of the things I really like about Neelix is, you know, is is, is him, his, uh, you know, him, him not wanting to abandon anyone, his, yeah. you know, standing up for people, standing up, you know, and, and that's one of the great things about Neelix. So I think that's an important line because this is kind of the before and after for Neelix yeah. this episode. So I'll give mine to Neelix. So we'll split that's it down good. the middle. I like it. <laughs> All right, so tied up. <laughs> three for uh, Partridge and three for Hatchery. Perfect. Perfect way to be. Um, All right. Next category. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, the, the characters giving their speeches, but they did have lots of arguments as well. Not just, they didn't all say positive <laughs> stuff. So why do we pick uh, dumbest argument? Yes. There's so many oh dumb arguments in God. both of these episodes. I, so they got dumb. almost a little bit bored of listening to Neelix and Tom. Just... <laughs> oh my god, you guys are both the worst oh, no. in this episode. <laughs> All right, um, what did you pick? Okay, uh, okay for, so well, for, so for hatchery, we do have some uh, really dumb arguments in the similar vein to Voyager. Um, this isn't the one I picked, but uh, but you have a lot of Major Hayes and Malcolm Reed, passive aggressive. Oh, yeah. You know, yes, yes, I really <laughs> nonsense. You know I really wish we'd seen more Makos in season four. Uh, I, I, I thought that was a great addition. I love the Makos, I thought that was interesting too. To, I like the know. dynamic, and I liked seeing the yeah. dynamic play out here with Reed right. and Hayes. Right, I really enjoyed and like, that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was an interesting, you know, because I mean, having like straight up military people versus like the pseudo military people of, of Starfleet. You know what I mean? Exactly, like, exactly. I mean you could see the difference in the way that they all reacted during the mutiny. Yeah. To you know, to like like which which made it really interesting. Uh yeah, yeah. The Makos all fell in line and yet Reed is is yeah. is considering mutiny. I mean you wouldn't fathom it, would you really? 
Right, yeah, and Major Hayes straight up says, like, yeah, I would have signed it with Archer if yeah. you had come to me. <laughs> you know, because that's, that's yeah. my job, you know? <laughs> and I guess, you know, you have to be that way, you know, I guess, for, like, for a command structure. But, you know, in this case, like, it was pretty obvious you were taking orders from, a, you know, someone who wasn't, you know, in full... Uh, <laughs> uh, I wonder when senses. Haynes would have seen that. Though, when Haynes yeah, would have seen that. Yeah. yeah, because at some point when Hayes is like when they've blown up the Enterprise and they're living in the hatchery, <laughs> Hayes must be thinking, <laughs> right. "I think I may have backed the wrong horse here." When he's essentially being dinner for these yeah, little beasts. Yeah, <laughs> I love how you keep assuming that the baby insects would eat <laughs> people or each hold other. On, hold on. <laughs> We don't know they wouldn't do that. I think we've got to we've got to just you know keep all the ideas open here. <laughs> That's right. We don't know. We don't know we don't, anything. We don't about... know what they're going to eat. We, leave them any <laughs> we don't stuff. know. In partition, the baby wouldn't eat Starfleet rations. Right. He, he wanted, <laughs> wanted trigemic vapors. I just say we don't know what they're going to eat. <laughs> I think it's so funny that Tom Paris tried to feed a newborn anything like I know. I, know it was a I was like, come on. You don't really give a new baby a cracker. What are you thinking? You just hatched have a cracker. <laughs> Dishing out a dry cracker. I was like, come on, guys. This is not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not 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 the way to go. No. I mean, they didn't even try to like crumble it up or like, you know, mush it or anything. <laughs> like, here, I have a cracker. Oh, surprise, it doesn't want the cracker. I don't know. What what can we do? Oh man. Okay. So, but I didn't I didn't p- pick any of the macho. There's a couple scenes with them being you know macho, passive aggressive, and um, this is after even uh, pr- like not even in this episode, yeah. but before it, they 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 had like a physical you know fist fight a couple of episodes ago, and they're still yapping at each other. You know this macho nonsense. But um, um after but after the mutiny, it seems like they yeah. kind of. That was the thing that they grudgingly respected each other after afterwards, <laughs> for whatever reason that did it. But um, but the one I picked that was pre- that, that was pretty dumb. But the one I picked was uh, is Archer to Paul. So Archer comes up with this ridiculous plan to like transfer all their antimatter to the hatchery, yeah. so that the, you know the Enterprise doesn't have like would basically have enough to get to, to get to Zadi Prime, and that's it. <laughs> you know um and thinks that that's fine and and to paul's like okay we're obviously not gonna do this so i'm gonna go down to the hatchery and and talk to him about it and this argument happens in the hatchery um you know archer has just been in the hatchery trying to you know fix the reactor or whatever and um you know, and he's like, he's like, oh, do you have the the antimatter? She's like, no, I don't have the antimatter. <laughs> you know, and they have this ridiculous fight about how like yeah. y- you're not making any sense. You know, she tries to lay it out in a very Vulcan. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to obey that order. You're ridiculous. You're you're being, you know, and um, she she threatens, uh, he threat he threatens her. Um, you know, to, to, you know, with insubordination, and she threatens to tell Animal Forest on him. <laughs> you know. She's like, well, why don't we call Admiral Forrest and see what he thinks about that? You know, it's like, so she, he gets her to go down a little bit to his level, you know, of ridiculous madness. But then, and then, so it's a, just a typical argument. But then he relieves her of duty and confines her to quarters. 
which is, you know, not in any, uh, obviously Archer would never have done that if, if to Paul, him and Paul had a disagreement, you know, that's not where it would lead, you know? Um, and, and it's, it's funny because he does that and, um, and major, ha- you know, he says major Hayes, you know, escort her, escort her to her, cor- you know, I'm sorry, escort her to her quarters, you know, and, and he's like, sir, <laughs> like, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but he does, you know, obviously he does it because he's major Hayes, but even he was like, okay, something weird's going on. But uh, to Paul, get- and then <laughs> to make it even dumber, like to Paul gives him this great side eye as she's leaving, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to make it even more of like a childish like, uh, argument. And then the other Makos there like pretend that they weren't like listening to this, you know, embarrassing yeah. argument. They're just like trying to look around, like pretending they're not listening. And, I, I like that it becomes a, a running show. joke in the episode where he keeps confining people to quarters <laughs> yeah. and keeps having the Makos escort people away. Right. I was like, there's, there's a clue here, guys. This doesn't <laughs> happen. It's happened six times in the past <laughs> the past two days. You must think something weird's going on. Right. There are now no more senior officers. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Makos. Yeah. Almost just Makos on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he posted the Makos outside the hatchery. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're like, um, why do you have Makos posted outside the hatchery? <laughs> like, there's literally nothing on this planet. It's like, it's like, oh, these eggs need protection. You know, there oh. could be, there could be predators out there. <laughs> like, I mean, we've literally scanned this planet. There's literally nothing out there. <laughs> you don't need a Mako to guard from nothing, you know, <laughs> but. But yeah, so that that argument is yeah. pretty dumb. I mean, he's deep in his mania <laughs> at that point. So yeah, he's deep there. It, it yeah. is dumb. Um, <laughs> is it as dumb as the argument <laughs> I'm about to recount? Which I think, oh. as dumb <laughs> arguments go, maybe the dumbest <laughs> argument in the entire of Star Trek. This is Hall of Fame worthy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please do it go is on. <laughs> literally a food fight. Literally a food fight. In Voyager's oh, mess. Oh my gosh. When they yeah. cover Think each about other. Talking about childish. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> they cover each other. Neelix does it first. He picks up this bowl of Alfarian hair pasta and he <laughs> just pushes it against Tom and covers Tom in pasta. Tom looks absolutely aghast. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but even in that moment, he doesn't think, I shouldn't do this because he literally. Right. Picks yeah. up his own, it's the other ball, <laughs> and shoves it at Neelix, covers Neelix. Yeah, he's not going to be the big, bigger person here. You know, there's another <laughs> bowl of pasta <laughs> on the table. And that's when Neelix launches at him, literally fires him oh, onto the table. They're rolling around grappling. That's when Neelix threatens to kill him. They roll and roll and roll. <laughs> they roll off the end of the table. And just at that point, Janeway contacts them both and requests they uh, attend to her ready room. And they both stand up and sort of dust themselves off. They're both covered in spaghetti and pasta sauce. <laughs> and then they and then they go up to the ready room and they're just standing there like, you know, they've obviously just had a fight. They've obviously just had a food fight. I mean, that's... Jane, yeah. Janeway's like, look at them Yeah, over. they look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking at them. She knows what's happened. And she does ask, but then at the end, she really doesn't care. It's too stupid for her to even <laughs> want to find out about. Yeah. So she's just like... She does not have time for this Just nonsense. get in the shuttle and go down to the planet. Don't care. 
It, honestly. She's like, work it out. I don't care. I, I knew the food fight was in this episode. I just couldn't remember just how daft it was. And it was so daft. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. And like, Neelix literally threatens to kill him, though. Like, that's, I know, I, I know, yeah. like, you know, if you look outside the episode, it was, it was just so he could set him up for that great, you know, oh, your, your cooking's going to kill me first, you know, kind of yeah, line. Yeah. But it's like, that's a serious thing. Like, he just literally walks up to Paris, throws pasta and, in his face, and threatens yeah. to kill him. And <laughs> it's, so, it's so school child as well, because so Paris doesn't, doesn't want to sit with Kez. In case, in, in case it looks a bit weird, so he sticks with Harry. Makes a big deal about saying, "No, oh, we've got bridge, bridge details to discuss." Then Kez is upset, and then Neelix uh, is annoyed that Kez is upset. It's so Lord. juvenile. Um, it's so bad, and then it's it, so uh, embarrassing for poor like, Kez to hear I, about this. Yeah, Kez, Kez it's like, it's spread across, across, and that's another. There's another juvenile part. You know, it spreads across the whole ship. You know, because she hears about it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, from whoever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, gossip. Oh man, it was just so daft, and I do wonder how they've ever got part. So, where's who thought this is it? We finally, I've, it's been thirty years. We need a food fight. We need to have right. A <laughs> but uh, you know what? It, it it's a it's a little bit of a story. They never mention it again, and they you know yeah. they, they wear clean uniforms for the rest of the, the rest of the episode. Well, wa- oh, yeah. Well, watching it this time, it, it made me think about that episode of Discovery, and I, oh, I can't remember which episode it was. I'll, I'll, I should have looked it up, but the one where, um, you know, Ash Tyler and Doctor Colbert finally meet in the cafeteria, and they have yes. a little a little fight in the cafeteria. Also, mm-hmm. mess hall. Sorry, and then a the little mess hall. <laughs> uh, also, um, and and it made me think about like like Saru has the line. I, I can't remember what it was that he said, but it, he he. What he was saying was, you know, like, well, they they kind of had to just let that happen, so you know they could get at, yeah. you know, get it over with and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that way about this ridiculous food fight in the Voyager mess hall too, because it's like maybe let's, that's what Janeway was doing. Yeah, yeah. Just like, let's just, the tension's just, been there, right? Just get it out, get, get it, out. it out, and then we can leave this ridiculous storyline behind, and we don't have to deal with the jealousy or the, you know, but in Hugh Calder's defense. He was literally murdered. By, oh, right. by oh yeah. Oh, the reason they were fighting was yeah. <laughs> way different stakes. And when, yeah. but I just mean the point of like them letting yeah, them yeah, fight. Yeah. You know, just having the scene where they do it, and you have to just get it done. You know, same thing here. Like, just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it did work. You know, this it's and totally their agree. trip down to the planet. Yeah. It did work. And, yeah. And at the end, they're cracking open bottles of champagne. Right. Now they're uh, buddies. Yeah. And they remain. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were, which I like, you know, we did this and we moved on from that, you know, and Neelix, yeah. Neelix's character is fine after this episode, like, and mm-hmm. Tom and, you know, it, they're all fine. And, I, you know, it's over. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was, I was disappointed though, that we didn't get to see uh, them apologize to Kess at the end. Like this episode was totally just about Neelix and Paris yeah. working through their stuff. When, um, yeah, I'm pretty think uh, I'm pretty sure that I want to see Kess and Neelix work out their stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> it has an, a little bit of an air of like, oh, the boys decided that you know Kess is Neelix's and and we're and K- Kess gets a few scenes 
a few sort of scenes with the doctor and with Harry where she vents some right. of this frustration. I love that scene with her and Harry. Was, yeah, I thought that was a nice friendship moment between the two of them. Yeah, because I don't really see them interacting yeah, that often. Yeah, really. it was a nice, I, it was a nice pairing, yeah. Because they both care about Tom, too. So it was nice to see them both, you know, like, exactly. we're both worried, but, you know, there's nothing we can yeah. do right now. And, and it, was, it was nice to see how angry Kess yes. was, that she wasn't, yeah. this wasn't just, she wasn't passively just accepting it. She was really angry and really cross. Yeah. And she was obviously worried about them both. Right. But that's only half the emotions she was feeling. She's worried, but also very annoyed. Right. Because she's, you know, she's being treated like some sort of football yeah, she yeah she had that nice line like I hope I hope that they're okay so I could tell them you know that I never want to speak to any of them either ever again you know because yeah. <laughs> I'm so mad but um but yeah it's would have nice at the end like oh we're gonna go have champagne and then like because everything's okay now but everything isn't okay for Cash she didn't get to work through any of the uh, the nonsense no. yet <laughs> and it I wish I got to see that but like I know it's like you know you got to end it on a on an upper <laughs> okay so points for dumbest argument yeah. I mean, the dumbest argument has to be the food fight in the cafeteria, in the high school cafeteria. Yeah. The, the arguments, the arguments uh, on, you know, the, the legitimate arguments in the hatchery, although yeah. Archer is a bit insane. Right. The legitimate concerning arguments. Right. But this was just completely, you know. Yeah. Uh, I well, couldn't believe I was watching yeah, it. Yeah, because it's but like. I'm glad I watched it. You know what? Even Because even if, like, Paris did he does have feelings for Kess. So what, you know, like what does that have to do with Neelix? Like that, that's, you know, that's Paris's problem, not Neelix's problem, you know, mm-hmm. like it's between him and Kess. And I, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just so frustrating. Ugh. She, she's not your possession. She's not, you know, like, there's not really a good way you. to look at this. Is there? Yeah. It's like, she's with you. So what do you care? Like what, just, how just respect what she does and don't worry about anything else. Right. Like, you know how she feels. She obviously is attracted to you and not Paris, you know? So what do you care? If someone else is attracted to your, <laughs> your partner, yeah. you know, I mean, it's obviously going to happen. She's a very attractive, lovely person. I mean, the doctor mm-hmm. obviously, <laughs> you know has feelings for it you know people are gonna have feelings for it. she's a wonderful genuine lovely person you know that's part of (laughs) you know you got lucky neelix so (laughs) you know just like neelix did get very lucky yeah neelix is a neelix is a lovely person after this episode too like (laughs) but um yeah but not so much you know it's just it's I, I I tend to think of them the same way I think of the O'Briens. You know, Miles and Keiko are very lovely people uh-huh. when they're not together. I don't as much enjoy their dynamic, you know, of them yeah, together. Yeah, same yeah, thing yeah. with Kess and Neelix, you know. It's just no, not yeah. my favorite couples. <laughs> and they were introduced as a couple as well. That was like, yeah, they're a couple yeah. straight from the off. It wasn't yeah. like, well, they won't they? Because then and they definitely is, wouldn't have. Yeah, and Kess is like two years old. So you get the impression, like, is this, like, her first boyfriend, <laughs> you know? Because in this episode, even when she's talking to the doctor, she's saying how, oh, it's easier on on my planet because, you know, you... You, you meet someone you, you make, make, you don't, you make you don't for life. Or, yeah, you don't yeah, have time to mess yeah. around. Yeah. But you think it'd be the opposite. you think they just, like, you know, 
just have as much fun as they can, you know, while they're only alive for nine years. That's true. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you get the impression that maybe like you pick one person, you stick with that person, and that's what she did with Neelix. And I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a <laughs> it's real never, shame. They never, never they never went through the entire concept of a life cycle. Yeah. Because that would have been a really, really interesting thing to do. And yeah, that's why I, I enjoyed the, the episode of where she does, like in her. The, yes, the, the, the flash forwards. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. It's an interesting idea for a species. Yeah, but I think it was a great idea for a TV show. As well, I think and, yeah. We're going to have somebody and we're going to follow their entire life cycle and it's going to be compressed yeah. compared to everyone around them. And presumably, and maybe they wouldn't have done this, but if Kez had remained on board for seven years, they may have had to get mm-hmm. a different actress to play her as much older. Otherwise, she'd be wearing old age makeup. Unless she aged. <laughs> they would have aged me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, she would have looked normal until, like, her last episode when it, like, all of a sudden. <laughs> Hyper-aged, yeah. Hyper-aged, Yeah. <laughs> They like give her a few gray streaks or a wrinkle or two yeah. for the for season six and seven, and then like the last episode, she'd be you know like hundred years old. But it was a really solid idea for a character. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed now of that play. Yeah, me too. Okay. All right, so now we've got uh, Parturition has five and Hatchery has three. Okay, well it's all to play for in the last round. Hmm. Uh, Jen, let us know what the last uh, category is. Okay, for the last category, let's go with biggest papa bear. Biggest papa bear. <laughs> um, I I did have I feel I thought there were a few more options for this category. The doctor helps Kez for a little while, talking through some of her relationship issues, and he reminds her that she's only two years old and that she can't know everything about the opposite sex and sort of you know, explains to her there's a bit more going on here than perhaps you've picked up upon and tries to sort of, you know, guide her through what's happening. But, you know, that's not the that's not the Papa Bear of the episode. The Papa Bear of the episode is obviously Neelix. He, he's yes. right there <laughs> while this sure. child is hatching. Um, his first thoughts when he meets this kid are for the infant and even its family, whether right. you know they'll be looking for it, for it whether they'll uh, attend to the child if they feel the nest has been tampered with. And he just refuses to abandon the infant, mm-hmm. even when it would be easier just to leave it and pretend they'd never been there. You know, they could just unblock the cave and skedaddle. No, he refuses he right. instead picks up the infant, wraps it in a jacket, and it falls asleep. And that's just, you know, he's there doing the right thing. He wasn't anticipating doing this, but suddenly there's a child in trouble, and he's just going to, we're going to have to forget what we were doing and concentrate on this. So, you know, I, I realize this is going to cause us, cause us all massive problems, but it doesn't matter. We're going to have to do this anyway. So. <laughs> And then even till the end, mm-hmm. they won't leave until they've made sure that the uh, the child is being uh, picked up by the mother and that the mother is going to accept it and she won't be concerned that it's been, you know, interfered right. with, or interfered with sounds funny, um, won't be concerned that there's been, you know, other species messing around with the nest. Um, and, you know, all the way through, you know, Paris gives him the uh, moniker Godmother, and 
I think he was very happy to accept that. <laughs> I think he was happy to say, I'm, I'm looking after this kid. Yeah. And was. this is the first we see of Neelix being the, yeah. you know, the, the go-to godfather for every child who goes through Voyager. Um, right. But he does do it. It's yes. his first showing here. He makes a great job of it and he saves that kid's life. It's hard to argue with any of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I like when they, uh, you know, they get transported back up to the ship and you know tom's like i'm an uncle and neelix is like i'm a godmother yeah <laughs> such glee you know yeah <laughs> the job well done and <laughs> he was very happy it was nice to see yeah yeah because yeah, he takes he takes that role seriously he takes that role seriously with naomi wildman you know he here does. you know here and, and and he's he's really good at it he's really good with kids yeah he's, he's a papa bear all right he can do it. he's got the skills <laughs> Okay, but Hatchery's got one hell of a papa bear, too. Oh, wow. Daddy Archer. We've got Daddy Archer here. <laughs> um, and I mentioned before, like, before he gets sprayed, he even gets sprayed with the neurotoxin. He's still, you know, looking out for the babies. He's still asking about, you know, can I restore power, you know? And um, sure, his induce is induced by chemicals, but he still <laughs> does anything he can, you know, after that point to uh, protect his babies. He... You know, he, he like we, we mentioned earlier about him placing the guards outside the chamber um, and, you know, willing to um, willing to pretty much cripple his ship, you yeah. know, to keep the ba- his, his babies alive. Um, and the, the one thing he does that that's really that I thought was interesting was um, after we, we talked about the scene where one of the eggs pops, you know, we lose one of the babies mm-hmm. and. Uh, and he asks, um, and he's in the, he's in the, uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, medical emergency, you know, Dr. Phlox and, and he's in the, uh, uh, sick bay with Phlox, uh, and to Paul and he's asking how's Hoshi doing with that translation? Um, cause she's, she's translating, trying, trying to translate the insectoid language to get, you know, see what kind of tactical mm-hmm. advantages they can get. And he's like, he's like, tell her as soon as she's done, I need her to look, f- look for their, uh, their burial rituals. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he's, he, he wants to even, you know, take care of, you know, he couldn't take care of it in life. He wants to at least give it the send off that it, it, you know, that it should have, you know, in their culture. And, and it's at this point, like to Paul and flocks, look at each other. Like you want to have a funeral for, for the, you know um and they kind of think like oh he's he's something's going on with really seriously with archer here um but i think that was a real that was a real popper yeah. bear moment you know like he couldn't protect this one and he's gonna do do right by it and then you could almost see the gears in his brain turning like he says i'm not gonna let any more of them die like yeah. that's you know and he full on is <laughs> he's full on mad at this point he's like that's not gonna happen again none of you know none of these other babies are gonna get hurt and but it, it's so really easy to, to sort of dehumanize those the little creatures even we're guilty of doing it when we're talking exactly. about it, aren't we? yep. and just you know he's gonna give it a funeral you're like well he would if this had been an arboreal that had died mm-hmm. they'd all be crying they'd be they'd right. be shedding tears They'd be feeling bad. There'd be there'd right. be more people down there helping out. Yeah, Hoshi would be down there, yeah. you know, picking them up and cuddling them. Mm-hmm. And everyone would be down there. They'd love it. Um, but no, because of creep insect, we can be like, Ugh, let's just leave them here. Yeah. You know, one's died. 
just throw it out the airlock right. or whatever they were going to do. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad he's. I'm glad he does all that stuff. And yeah. I don't know, I'd like to think that he would have done some of those same things if he hadn't been maddened by the the neurotoxin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, when you have, you know, that these, uh, you know, hormones or whatever it is, I, I mean, it, it's not going to change who you are. It's just going to like heighten your response, yeah. you know, because that's something that I mean, that happens in um, in animals, you know, on Earth and, and actually humans, too. It's, you know, they it's called lactation aggression, yeah. you know. It's just that whatever, like, like your, your hormone, the hormones of the, the nursing mom, you know, it, it dampens the body's, you know, like stress responses, you know, to, to, um, to fear and it makes you, you know, more aggressive in that sense, you know, to st- stimulus like that. So, really, it, I, yeah, yeah. So that's a real thing, you know, <laughs> but it's not, you know, like the, but the, the, those cha- that changes in hormones or whatever, this neurotoxin that, <laughs> that he got hit with, you know, it's not going to make you do something you wouldn't do. You know what I mean? It's going yeah. to it's, heighten your responses, you know? So yeah. I think he's got that Papa Bear instinct in him, you know? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. something I found really interesting about this this episode. And I guess we see that because he's, I mean, hell, he's a, he's a Papa Bear to, uh, to his, his, his beloved Porthos. Exactly. Yeah, throughout the entire series. So we do get to see that side of him. Yeah, <laughs> but not from an aggressive way, but in a more nurturing sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so... That's a papa bear. You got two two big papa bears. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> this is a hard one for points. This is a hard one for points. This is, this is a really tough one. I think. Oh man. I, I, mean, I suppose you got to weigh it up, haven't you? Arch has been struck with the neurotoxin, which arguably has made him act in a way that he may not have acted. But on the other hand, you know, if he doesn't do any of this, the Enterprise crew will just leave them behind. Whereas. Yeah. I, I do believe that if Neelix hadn't been there, Tom would have picked up this baby and he wouldn't have just left the baby in there. He he may have left it there for a minute and then going like, oh, I can't leave the baby and then gone back to get it. I don't think he'd have left it. Yeah, I can see him doing that. Archer's got to fight against everyone to get this done, you know, neurotoxin or not. Ugh. But then, you know, <laughs> Neelix just is there instantly like, we're doing this, let's go for it. Where am I putting my point? I'm going for I'm going for Neelix. I'm going for the purity of Neelix's response. Oh. I surprised myself oh. by saying that. I'm going for Neelix. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! See, I don't know if I can go for Neelix because oh, Neelix is. I mean, that's part of his nature. Yeah, he's a papa bear to everyone. Like he, you know, he takes care of everyone. Yeah. There's gotta be there's that's something to it, but it's his all, job on Voyager. That's, yeah, that's essentially his job. So, but and but on the other hand, it, it, it's it's nice that our Archer does have that aspect to him that you wouldn't normally think of in a character like him, you know. But he does. Ah, oh, I don't know. But you're right. It maybe maybe. Ah, I can't believe I'm I'm going against my beloved Scott Bakula here. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I think it has to go to Neelix, just because, like you said, it was his was enhanced with um, a neurotoxin or chemical, you know, chemi- chemically enhanced. So, it, you know, whereas Neelix's was just all him. 
Yeah. So yeah, I gotta give it up. I gotta give it up to Neelix for that one. Wow. So what? A, what wow! A I did not expect. The final score is Parturition seven and Hatchery three. I, I did not I see that coming. I did not see that. Coming. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I'm conv- we, we've chosen categories that really like gone for. The baby, oh my you know, if we pick, yeah, you know, yeah, which the yeah, baby was best phaser shot, or you know, best spaceship, <laughs> or best alien species, right, right, could have been right. very different. But we're like, <laughs> oh, cutest baby, loveliest hatchling. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's it's also funny that Neelix got points for being the best and the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You got points for being the best problem ever, but also being the worst and the dumbest yeah. argument. I suppose the two are <laughs> that, That's pretty yeah. double down. Right. Double down on the uh, Neelix points there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the fun thing, though, is depending on the categories you pick, you can go with This you know, has been a either very way, weird but... episode. <laughs> <laughs> very weird. <laughs> well, I got to say, though. I did not see this coming, though. I mean, Hatchery, I think, is, is a really underrated episode of Enterprise. I, I find it fascinating. Just any, any, we didn't even talk about the mutiny, you know, which is a, a really interesting, like, what do you do when the, when your captain's obviously, you know, yeah. gone insane <laughs> like this. Uh, and you have, yeah. Cause it, if this had happened when the Makos weren't there, they would have all just, they'd have just agreed you know, between themselves. This is between themselves. Yeah. Right, having right, that second that- tier of military there was really interesting. Yeah. It was so well used in that moment right. because there, oh, there's the dynamic. There's the there's the contrast. Mm-hmm. There's the conflict. We've got right. two now sets of professionals both answering to the captain. One has decided, one who knows him best and is more holistic, yes. is arguing that this is not the right thing to do. But the other one who's right. a lot more driven and determined is very narrow. <laughs> like, we're doing it. No matter what, we're getting this done. It was so nicely right. done, and just the fact that it sort of plays off the the Reed Hayes argument to mm-hmm. begin with, it worked really well. So yes, we have we have yeah. underrated Hatchery, but that is the nature of Snap Trek. We pick our categories yeah. and we stick <laughs> rigorously to them, apart from all the meandering <laughs> chat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, but but I have to admit, I enjoyed watching Parturition more. This time around, I think, um, you know, I guess because before, you know, I'd focus on how much I dislike mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the jealousy, you know, subplot. But but now, you know, this time I was just focusing on, you know, <laughs> the egg ba- yeah. the eggs and babies and, and fun have, parts have of it. You know, so I enjoyed it, it a lot It worked more. really well. It's like a mini marathon. It's a yeah. I'd, wa- I'd, wa- I'd watch these <laughs> back to back again. And I did enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely definitely yeah you guys should should watch it back to back if you if you get a chance watch these two back to back it's interesting an interesting comparison but um but yeah so okay there it is we didn't we didn't even mention uh kim's uh clarinet solo you could have won it if we had the category best clarinet solo would go to spaceships (laughs) phaser shots food food. um, oh, yeah, best food. So much stuff um, happened. I, I mean, I, I was surprised. Yeah. Even the baby doesn't even appear until about twenty-five minutes into the episode. Yeah, the first twenty-five yeah. minutes is just yeah. the 
the bickering and the fight and getting down to the planet right, and right. the running of the ship. <laughs> yeah, it took planet 25 hell. minutes for them to, to figure out actually the crux of the episode. Yeah. yeah. So I'm surprised that Park Edition won. Anyway, there it is. Right. Yeah. For our next episode of Snap Trek, we will be comparing two episodes which focus upon unexpected cosmetic <laughs> alterations. We will be looking at TND's Face of the Enemy and comparing that with Deep Space Nine's Second Skin. The Romulans and the Cardassians and the Bajorans and the Betazoids all in the mix there. I love that there's more than one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just to finish us off today, I'm going to read out a wonderful little haiku written by Betty at Grincellam on Twitter. And she has a haiku for Macrocosm. Janeway has no clue. Rolls up her sleeves, takes action, and saves Voyager. I like that. Nice. That's nice. That's concise. Yeah, so I like I, it. As I, I like haiku, yeah. <laughs> for, for that, just that mm. reason. It says a lot in a few syllables. Yeah. That was well done. Yeah. So nice. thank you, uh, Betty. Excellent. And look forward to hearing more from you. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SnapTrack. And you could also find me on Twitter. I'm at EdatQuarks. Ross? And I am Taborg at STRTRK1701. Please send us your limericks, poetry, haiku, we absolutely love getting them, and we read them all. They're brilliant. So please do keep sending them in. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, and that's it for this episode. Talk to you later. Bye.